Hi everyone, you alright? Happy to see me again, I imagine. Um, if you want to go to your Bibles and um, go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Um, what I'm going to share um, this morning, are we still in the morning? Just about. I didn't know you started at 11. So um, it wasn't until um, um, Richard, Richard happened to mention that you've changed your time. Quite, quite late, really. Because so, normally, what is it, three o'clock or half quarter past three? Yeah. How, do you, how are you finding it? Do you like it? Yeah? It's a nice day as well, isn't it? So, um, so what I'm going to share today is, I hope it you, yes, we'll get there, Matthew 16. Um, hopefully um, it will bless you and um, however at the same time if you're a Christian um, what I'm going to share is not shocking or um, you know you, you already know it I'm not going to share anything new there's no fancy new gospel that's come out recently this is all um, this, you know this um, Peter writes I intend to remind you of these things that you know them and are established in the truth you have. Right? So it's important to just be reminded, isn't it? Um, preaching is just proclaiming truth we already have. I'm not here to tell you something you don't already know. Wonderful. Um, so today we're just going to look at, um, that is the slide, cross-shaped kingdom. So um, if being a Christian means following Jesus, do we agree with that? Then what does following Jesus look like? Okay. That's the question we're going to look at. What does following Jesus look like? And how do we live faithfully as his disciple? How do we live faithfully um, amidst kind of confusion, times of not so great times, and the great times? Um, how do we do that? More importantly, though, and we're going to see, what does Jesus say um, are the requirements for following him? Awesome. Matthew 16 and verse 13. It says, when Jesus came to the region, so my microphone keeps dropping out. Is that okay? Do you do we need a microphone? We do need a microphone to record it. Cut that bit out of the recording. Mike Burke is the new um, person who does that job. So Mike, cut that out of the recording. Thank you, Mike. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. Um, if you don't know, Caesarea Philippi isn't where Jesus' disciples normally hang out. Okay, Jesus' disciples normally hang out the, somewhere called the Sea of Galilee. Or you, you might read in the Gospels, they, they tend to hang out in the temple a lot. right? But what Jesus does is he takes them on a 25-mile walk north right? 25 miles. So that's Manchester to Huddersfield, if you know the distance there. And the reason Jesus takes them on a 20, 25 mile walk um, to Caesarea Philippi is because I'm going to ask them a really important question. And um, it's a question that you don't really want to be asking people, you know, where all the Pharisees are. It's a very dangerous question to be asked this in public. So he takes them in a little secret place. What's the question? Who do people say the son of man is? Huge question. This is what they said for their answer. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. 
But what about you? Jesus asked. Who do you say that I am? So Jesus is basically saying here, I don't really care about what other people are saying about me. I don't care about all the fake news that's surrounding the streets about me. I want to know what do you say about me? You, what's your answer about who I am? Right? I don't care about the fake news. Who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. Does anyone love Peter? I love Peter. What a great guy Peter is. He's one of those type of people, I, I get the impression, that he doesn't kind of think about things, he just acts from his heart. That's Peter to me. And sometimes this um, Peter becomes a hero because of this. Sometimes it doesn't quite work out for him. There's one story I love when Jesus is going to wash the disciples' feet and Peter says, uh, you can't wash my feet, Jesus. He doesn't even think, he just blurts it out. And Jesus says, well, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, then you won't have any share in my kingdom. And then Peter says, wash all of me, right? Wash my whole body then, Jesus. I love Peter. He's a great guy. Can learn a lot from him. Peter's been walking with Jesus for a long time. And we're in, we're in Matthew chapter 16, and no one's actually called Jesus the Messiah, I find that really interesting. Chapter 16, and no one said, oh, Jesus, we think we know who you are. See, Peter's brain kind of catches up with his heart, doesn't it? He's been walking with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, and it finally clicks. He finally figures it out. You are Messiah. That word, Messiah, um, same word, Christ, just means anointed one. And it isn't Jesus' last name, Jesus Christ. It wasn't... It wasn't Joseph and Mary Christ, okay? Um, Christ, Messiah, same word. All it means is it's spoken about for the Old Testament and it's just a prophecy, really, about an anointed king that God would send. And this king would bring his kingdom, his rule and his reign, and he would make all things awesome. Okay, that's the Messiah. The Jewish people were waiting a long time for this Messiah to come along. Um, He's the fulfillment of everything. So, Peter, so Jesus basically says, you know, well done, Peter. You're blessed. Fantastic. Beautiful answer. You didn't really listen to what other people said. But what happened, Peter? You chose to listen to God's um, revelation over what the, wor the, the word on the street was. Brilliant. Can I borrow Maysam, my example in, in my preach? You don't have to do anything, Maysam. Just stand right next to me. Does anyone know Maysam? Yeah. Okay. Right. I, I know Maysam, okay? He's a great guy. Maysam is a brilliant guy. Um, however, um, I've had my own personal revelation of Maysam. If I was to ask you, how do you know Maysam? You wouldn't say, well, Josh, you know Maysam. That's how I know Maysam. That's not what you would say, is it? No, because there's, there's a difference between witness and revelation, isn't there? Witness, testimony, and revelation, two different things, okay? And so I know Maysam personally. I've had a personal revelation of who Maysam is. Um, you need to get your own revelation of Maysam. 
You can't rely on my revelation of Mason, okay? And it's the same with the Bible and the Gospels. They all point to Jesus, but they're not the reason we believe in Jesus, are they? They're, they're pointing towards him. We need our own personal revelation of who Jesus is. So if you don't know Mason and you want a personal revelation, maybe after the meeting, you can uh, go and have that personal revelation. You are Maysam. Okay, awesome. Go sit down, Maysam. Let's give Maysam a round of applause. Because he, he did a lot there, didn't he? He just stood there. Um, if, if other people say that Jesus is the Messiah, that's not why we believe he is. We really need a personal revelation of who Jesus is. We need that. And we're not churchgoers, are we? Or Christ followers. Um, I used to get wound up when people said to me at work, are you a churchgoer? Now I don't correct them and go, no actually I'm a Christ follower because that's stupid isn't it? But I, I try and use that. Um, but ultimately are, right? We all follow Jesus individually and we come together and we make up the church. We're not churchgoers, we're Christ followers. Really, really important distinction. We don't just need to be told about Jesus, we need to be shown. We need a personal revelation of who Jesus is. Verse 18, and I tell you, this is Jesus, right? And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Jesus, whenever any of you or me, we declare Jesus as Messiah, automatically we're invited to build his church. We're given this awesome power and authority. And Jesus says, I love it. You know, the gates of Hades, all of the power that um, the demonic forces can put together won't stop the church. Nothing will stop the church. You know, there's no scheme. Nothing will stop the church. What a promise. No power in hell, nothing. Um, And so... Peter will, if you read 1 Peter, his own little letter he writes, um, he'll go on to, to, to describe all of you as living stones, living rocks in the church. Right now, he's the first one. He's the first rock. And Peter's top of the class. And if I was Peter, I'd be feeling a little bit smug in front of the other disciples. I just called Jesus Messiah. Did you see that? I'd feel pretty awesome. Um, I want to just say something really important though when we get to this point and I might have even said this a little bit when I've spoken before here but what's going through Peter's mind when Jesus says all of these really nice things about him and that he has the keys of the kingdom and all of this what's going through Peter's mind is is different to what's going through Jesus' mind and that's what we have to learn here Peter's thinking, oh, keys of the kingdom right, wonderful, okay, so I need a big army Okay, I've got all this authority. And we're going to go down to Jerusalem. We're going to kick out all of the corrupt leaders. We're going to sit Jesus on a throne. And we're going to bring the kingdom. It's going to be awesome. That's what Peter's thinking in his mind. He's thinking this earthly kingdom that Jesus is going to come and herald in. But watch what happens. Peter's just about to get epic emotional whiplash. Verse 21, it says, From that time on, 
Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. Peter's thinking, awesome, let's go to Jerusalem. That's right, Jesus, don't tell anyone. Let's not say you're the Messiah because let's not make it obvious. Let's keep it under wraps. Sneak up from behind them, you know, take the kingdom. Must go to Jerusalem, but wait, what's he say? And suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And so, you know, within six verses, Peter's called blessed, isn't he? He's given a new fancy name, the rock. He's got all this authority, keys of the kingdom. Within six verses, he's called Satan. Right? Emotional whiplash. Okay, what's just happened? Peter rebukes Jesus. Did you see that? Um, In the first century, disciples never rebuked their teachers. If they did, they could be killed. It's that serious. And there are stories you can read about outside the Bible of this happening. Um, The problem for Peter is he's just realised that he's not rebuking a teacher, he's rebuking God. So um, what's his punishment, you know? Right? He's just called Jesus the Messiah, right? And he's rebuking the Messiah. He's not rebuking an ordinary teacher anymore, Um, Peter was pretty excited, wasn't he? But I think he disrupts the order here. And that's what Jesus is talking about. I think he got a little bit carried away in his mind thinking of all the thrones and on earth and all of the armies that they're going to have and this awesome kingdom. And Peter got a little bit carried away. He disrupts the order. Um, notice that when Jesus starts to say the son of man must be killed and, and he must suffer and lose and be humiliated... Peter takes Jesus to the side and I I imagine he's kind of saying, Jesus, I don't think people are going to follow you if you keep talking like this, right? I I don't think you quite get it, Jesus. We're going to bring the kingdom. There's not going to be suffering. (laughs) We're going to cause suffering, right? We're going to bring this awesome kingdom that's going to rule and reign. I don't think you quite get it, Jesus. And I don't think the church is going to be built on this kind of teaching, That's not how I would do it, Jesus. Get behind me, Jesus. Jesus says to Peter, what does he say? He's basically saying, Peter, you're my disciple. Get behind me, right? Return to your original place as a disciple. Don't jump ahead. Don't run ahead and tell me what to do. I'm your friend, Peter, but I'm also the Lord, right? Get behind me, Peter. Return behind me. Don't jump ahead. I'll lead the way. Peter, you were a rock. Now you're a stumbling rock. Get behind me, Satan. You know, um, Satan, why is he calling that? Jesus knows Satan's voice really well. Jesus actually says about Satan, in in the beginning he was a liar. Um, Jesus knew Satan pre-earth, right? He was a liar. He knows him quite well. He knows his voice really well. What's Peter say? Jesus, you will never die. You will never suffer. Bad things will never happen to you. 
You should recognize that voice. Genesis 3, right? You know, and Eve is tempted to eat of this apple. You will never die, right? Same gospel, Matthew's gospel. Satan tempts Jesus and says, you know, bow down before me. I'll give you all of the kingdoms of the earth. You won't have to suffer. There's no cost. Throw yourself off a cliff. You won't die. The angels will come and rescue you. It's all a lie. And the reason is, Jesus knows you can't have the kingdom without the cross. That's what Jesus knows, right? Jesus will come and deliver God's people from all their sins, but he won't do it how we want him to do it, right? He won't bring this earthly monarchy kingdom, but he'll be obedient to God's will. He will go to the cross. And actually, Jesus says, I'll be resurrected, but Peter doesn't even hear that. He just hears cross and suffering, right? He will be resurrected. I want to ask us today, are there areas in your life where you're jumping ahead of Jesus? Are there areas in your life where where maybe you're kind of running ahead of him and leading the way? Have we set our minds on human interests or God's purposes? Are there areas in your life where maybe like Peter, you kind of get this sense of hunger for control? I want to say get behind Jesus. Return to your place as his disciple. Get behind him. Don't jump ahead. The word disciple just means to follow behind. That's all it means. Follow behind Jesus. Jesus says on this rock, I, I will build my church. Let's be those who refuse to run ahead and solve problems alone, but have confident expectation that God will act on our behalf. Right? I was reading Isaiah 40 today. Brilliant, brilliant chapter. Just talks about God giving strength to the weak and how even, even the youth run out of strength. Right? But those who wait on the Lord, God will renew their strength. There's an, there's an aspect of waiting on God and trusting that ultimately I believe he's going to act on my behalf. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. Um, if he doesn't hurry up, I'm going to do something, right? I'm going to move fast and I'm going to plan, 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 plan because he's taking his time. Um, let's wait on the Lord. And awesome, 24, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their own soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Following Jesus will cost us everything, but we're going to have everything it's a massive cost and um, if we try and cling to things we'll lose our lives Jesus calls us to give everything and nothing less it's a radical call to discipleship and um, you might think like Pete like Peter you know that's not a very attractive gospel follow Jesus and it might end badly you know we don't you know we don't wouldn't share the gospel like that would we I don't I don't know if you've ever shared the gospel and um and you know if if, if I do share it with people I, I look back and I think, I've, I don't know if I've told that as honestly as I could have. And all this is true, but this is how I would say it. God loves you and God has a plan for your life. And if you, you know, give your life to him, everything's going to be awesome and amazing. Now, that's true.
true, isn't it? But I wonder if that's really the full truth because I wonder, you know, if people do eventually stop following Jesus, is it because I've just told them that everything was going to be great? And then they bump into trouble and they thought, hold on a minute, Josh told me that the gospel was going to be, uh, my life's going to be awesome and great, but it's not, so maybe the gospel isn't true. Or maybe the gospel is follow Jesus and you'll never be alone, you'll never be forsaken, and life may be difficult, and sometimes life may be hard, but he's worth the cost, right? He's worth the pursuit, he's worth the pain, he's worth the confusion, he's worth it all. Follow him. And maybe that will lead to a bit of longevity when we follow Jesus. Um, bearing our cross. Has anyone heard this phrase just used by non-Christians, right? I mean, they might talk about their annoying sibling, and that's, that's the cross I bear, right? I've got this annoying brother, that's the cross I bear. And, and we use that phrase, don't we? But that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's actually talking about something a little bit more radical. Jesus is saying that to bear your cross means you have to be willing to die to your own will. Your own I, your own will. To die to maybe your five-year plan. Yeah? I preached this two weeks ago in, in, in our community, King's Church Home, and someone came up to me afterwards and said, I felt really convicted because today I wrote a 20-year plan <laughs> for my life. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? What happens? You know, you, you write a 20-year plan. It, I don't know. There's kind of like so much can change in 20 years. In one year, in two years, in three years. Um, I, when, when I think of this giving up control, taking up your cross, giving it all to God, I think of Jesus, you know, when he's in the garden of Gethsemane. Um, and what's he say? You know, not my will, but, but your will be done. And Jesus, someone said, Jesus experiences a crucifixion of his will before his resurrection. I love that. Jesus' will was crucified in the garden. Jesus is saying here that there has to be a denial of yourself and your own will and I guess our own little desire to want to control our lives fully. Um, stop from building our own kingdom. And bearing our cross, it's a complete denial of our own will and how do we practice it? We, we follow Jesus. Um, and so Jesus says it's only when we stop trying to hang on to our lives, it's only when we let go and submit to God's leading of our lives will we save our souls. And what a sad thing is if we do choose all of what the world has to offer us and we lose Jesus. That's horrific. Um, there's nothing, absolutely nothing in this world that will quench your desire for purpose and meaning except Jesus. It's true. There's some awesome things in the world. Food. I love food. Football. Football's great. Anyone watch Netflix? It's all right, yeah? Anything else anyone really likes? Go, come on, shout it out. I want to hear it. Music. Anything else? Food. Uh, yeah, these things aren't bad. There's no judgment. This is all good. Netflix is good. Yes? Anything else? Food, there's got to be things better than food. Cars, you like cars. Interesting, right. 
It might sound really obvious, but none of these things made you. Right? God made you for himself. Yeah? And outside of that, you will never find meaning and purpose. And there will always be this annoying little angst in your life. God made you for himself and only in him will you find true rest and true satisfaction, right? Netflix is great. You can binge on Netflix for four hours, but there will be an empty feeling if that's all you do, right? You need to go to the well, right? Go to Christ. That's where we find true meaning. He made us for himself. Um, The disciples can um, teach us so much and we can get so much great lessons and encouragement um, from them when, we follow, when we're following Jesus in our own life. Um, especially, there's, the, the, the disciples come across as a little bit dim-witted sometimes, don't they? Um, especially one gospel in particular, Mark's gospel. He purposely makes the disciples look very dim-witted. Um, the, he pictures disciples kind of, you know, seeing epic healings, even participating in healings themselves, but they're never really sure who it is that they're following. And there's one point in in Mark's gospel where even a blind man shouts, Jesus, you are the Messiah, and then the the, the disciples try and shut him up, right? There's this kind of irony happening that that maybe sometimes um, takes time to get to know Jesus. We might not get it right away and maybe it takes time and we peel off more and there's more to him and there's more to him and there's more to him and discipleship's a little bit like this we, have, well, we will have times of epic growth and times when actually we feel like things aren't going as fast as we thought they should be going um, I do love Peter and I'm going to say that again he's great he just has this um, awesome heart of the first to say who Jesus is, right? But also one of the first to deny Jesus. Yeah, he's, he's this hero, isn't he? Messiah. Then he's this villain, isn't he? Denies Jesus three times. And you're kind of like, Peter, what's happening? Um, and then, you know, Peter actually goes on to be one of the heroes in the early church. Acts 2, he proclaims, you know, Jesus at Pentecost. And so it all works out well for Peter in the end, Okay. And so as I was praying kind of for today, I I got the sense that there was two Peters in this room. Now, are there two actual Peters in this room? Because I've preached this before and there was two Peters in this room. (laughs) Um, But in the the sense that there are two categories, okay, in this room. And and so maybe you fall into this category that you you know that you're following Jesus, but, but, but maybe you feel that you sometimes are in the driving seat and you know he, he sometimes has to get behind you and, and, and follow your direction in life maybe that's what God's been speaking to you about recently and maybe that's where you land um, here or maybe you, um, you've actually had enough of the church King's Church Swinton as if that could ever be a possibility but maybe you know Maybe you really didn't want to hear that message and you've tried the church thing and it's just not working and you feel like a dim-witted disciple. Join the club, right? 
C.S. Lewis says, um, God isn't so proud, he will have us, even though we've shown over and over again that we prefer everything else to him. God isn't so proud, he'll have us. So I want to say, Jesus is there, isn't he, with us in the difficult times, in following him. When we're in confusing times and we're not quite sure what's happening, he's with us, let's get behind him. Um, Don't be tempted to compromise your faith. Never. Whether that's in your workplace or wherever you find yourself, don't ever be tempted to compromise your faith. Let's put our hope in Jesus. Let's get behind him. And I want uh, Russ, if he could do, to uh, lead us in a song. And I want us to sing this song as... Um, I guess as a declaration, a prophetic declaration that this will be the life that I will live. But also maybe for some of us, there's there's an aspect of repentance and saying, Jesus, I'm sorry for rebuking you, right? I'm sorry for wanting to jump ahead. I'm sorry for wanting to try and control my life. I know that you're sovereign. So if we could stand together and um, let's just engage with this song and maybe close your eyes, hold your hands up, whatever it is that you do to engage with God. And let's give him our worship and, and come before our awesome saviour. Amen.